Hey everybody and welcome to Riker Explains It All. Today I'm going to be going through the event of my postpartum journey with Riley and with Parker and how I experienced that. Um, with Riley, she was born in 2018 and you know when she was born there's a lot of moms who I, I don't know if it's from movies or social media or just through talk, but there's, I feel like there's an expectation that when they give you the baby after you deliver, that there's this instant connection and instant love. And to be totally honest with Riley, I did not feel that instant connection. I did feel an instant need to protect, but not goo goo gaga. Oh my God, this is the best thing in my life. I know that's pretty controversial to start out a podcast with, but uh, it's the honest truth of how I felt when I first had her. When I had her, my family is so incredibly supportive and loving and wants to be, you know, we're very close. My family meaning mine and my husband's because we're one. Um, but with that comes the overwhelming support sometimes and I know that might sound weird but for example when we were at the hospital it was a constant revolving door of visitors which was wonderful because there was this excitement we were the first my husband and I were the first of the next generation to have kids so it's just this huge excitement my husband has including himself there's a group of nine cousins and there's only one girl and she's I think at that time she was like 20 years old already or maybe 21. So to have a new girl into the family was a really big deal. I think they would have still been excited if it was a boy, but there was an extra excitement for sure because it was a girl. But for me as the mom, I think that revolving door was not helpful. Even though they were super supportive and it was all positive and just excitement, it was hard for me to get any rest and when they were visiting, everybody wanted to hold her. Again, it's just excitement. But I spent a lot of time not with her. And I feel like not being able to nap whenever I wanted to. They would always say, oh, nap. I'm not going to nap while you're sitting in my room. <laughs> but um, I feel like not being able to rest when I needed or wanted to, whenever I wanted to. Not being able to hold her whenever I wanted to. And I know some people will say, well, why don't you just tell people to go away? Or why don't you just tell people you wanted to hold her? I am so bad at saying no. Not that that's even a no, but I'm just so bad at asking for things that I feel are not wanted. I know it's insane. I know she's my child and I get to do whatever I want with her, but it's one of my flaws for sure. Not good at speaking up for myself. And even we got released, released, discharged from the hospital. And then I think the day after we got home, we had a Father's Day party at our house with a bazillion people. And again, super loving family, super excited to have this new person in our family. They did great with the house. They brought the food. They cleaned up. They set up. I did nothing. But at the same time, I just felt overwhelmed with so many people and I don't know I feel like the day after you get home from delivery it's a little much to have all that but I just felt like I couldn't say no because it was all positive things so who am I to say no 
to celebration of life. And I guess I'm the perfect person to say no, because it was my house, my child, my life, but something I've been working on. And then even after we got home and we had the party and everything, just the, it was a revolving door still of visitors at the house. And again, I never, I don't think I ever said no to anybody. They would text me. There were a few who just showed up at the house, but usually they would text or call and ask if it was okay. And I always said yes, because I felt like it wasn't, I know this is, (laughs) now that I'm saying it out loud, it's kind of crazy, but I felt like it wasn't my place to rob them of a relation, not the, okay, rob them of the connection of the new person in our world and rob them of the connection or the experience of the fresh baby. And I want to hold the baby because it's not very common to always have, you don't always have a baby in the family. So it's, you know, it's that excitement. And I just felt like with so much positivity, who am I to tell people no, because I just didn't feel like having you over. So that was a factor. I guess I haven't even said it yet. I definitely had postpartum depression in my first, I don't know, pregnancy, delivery. My first experience with a child, I didn't realize that I had it at the moment or at the time. But afterwards, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I did have it. And I think it was just so many factors that went into it. And I don't know if postpartum depression is something that you can really control or prevent. Um, But I just feel like a combination of all these things that I've already been talking about didn't really help the postpartum depression, if that makes any sense. Um, Another factor that went into it, I think, was that I did... Let Let me stop here for just a second and say that my husband is the most amazing person I get emotional talking about him. (laughs) He's my everything. We started dating when we were 16 years old, sophomores in high school. And we dated all through high school, all through college and got married um, when we were, I think, 27 or something like that. So he is the love of my life. He's my everything. He's my best friend. But I didn't feel totally um united I don't that's not the right word together supported through this first experience with having a child um he's an attorney and I felt like because I was on maternity leave and air quoting here not working which I have learned that you should not call maternity leave not working it is a very hard job But I felt that since I wasn't going to work, that the night feedings were more my responsibility because his job is very um, taxing and very uh, critical thinking. He needs to use his brain. He needs to be rested. So, and this is me saying this, this is not him saying this, but that's just how I, I felt the responsibility to take most of the night feedings. And I guess I felt like I was less important in needing sleep, which again, I have learned is super wrong. But so lack of sleep, I mean, lack of sleep is common for every parent. I know that, but I just felt like I took more of the brunt for that. Um, I was in 
a tremendous amount of pain after my delivery for, I would say, five weeks almost. So five weeks of a lot of pain. And I did have pain medication, but I'm weird about taking medication. I don't know. I, I think, I guess, I, I don't, first of all, I don't really like the way it f- makes me feel usually. And second of all, you hear these horror stories about people becoming addicted from pain medications that they got from their delivery or from knee surgeries and things like that. So I'm always super careful. And also my pediatrician or my daughter's pediatrician told me that to be careful with the pain medication if you're breastfeeding because it's not great for the baby. So as soon as he said that, I just stopped taking it and I just took regular um, Tylenol, but it just wasn't enough. So extra sleep deprived. I'm in pain. Too many people in the house constant visiting, visiting for long periods of time. I only breastfed for three and a half weeks and it was the longest three and a half weeks of my life. I struggled so badly with my supplies, my supply. Um, I didn't actually breastfeed. I just did pumping because I didn't enjoy the breastfeeding. I don't, it just wasn't natural for me. My daughter struggled latching on and it was just not conducive. So I pumped for three and a half weeks and I had to make a decision of whether to just stop pumping and my daughter will probably be fine on just formula or I can try to keep pumping and she'll have a miserable mother. So I felt that it was better for me to just stop. And I, as soon as I decided to stop, I think the next day my supply was fully gone. It was ridiculous. So, and I also was struggling with my body And I felt like it had been ruined almost with the pregnancy and the delivery. And I didn't like the way that I looked anymore. So, and I also felt this expectation. And again, I don't know where I got this expectation in my head because nobody flat out said this to me, but maybe social media, maybe just moms talking But I felt this expectation to, quote unquote, snap back really fast because I'm a very active person. I've always been relatively fit. And so I felt like it was there was this unsaid pressure that I had to go back to that quickly. And it was hard for me to get into exercise and all that after the birth. So, so many different variables going into it. And I just felt so alone. Um, physically I felt it was weird because I, I'm telling you that I, I'm having a revolving door of visitors, but I physically felt alone in the house, even though people were there. I mentally felt alone because I don't know, for some reason when I was in it, I just felt like no one would understand what I was feeling or people would judge me if I said how I was feeling because I might look like a bad mom if I say that I don't have this instant connection right after birth. So I didn't tell people. And emotionally, I felt super alone because of the same reason. So I just didn't tell people. I, one of my family members just flat out asked me, are you depressed? Do you think you have postpartum? And I was like, no, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for looking out. <laughs> Good intention, but it was just, I don't know, kind of comical now um, how they asked. And I think feeling alone too with just the taking care of my daughter. Again, my husband is the most important person in the world to me aside from my children. But with the first go around, 
he and I were both learning how to be parents. And I felt like I almost made it too easy for him. I don't know if that makes sense, but I made sure that everything was taken care of. And that added a stress because I always had to make sure everything was taken care of. He, babe, I love you, but I'm just telling my experience. Um, He did not give Riley a bath for the first six months of her life. And I did not tell him to. I just, oh, I'll do it. You know, I did it. And it was just a part of, you know, one of the things on my list of duties to do for, for my daughter. And, you know, when we would go out to a family member's house or a friend's house and we would take her, I was the one who packed all the stuff for the diaper bag. I was the one who packed the car. I was the one that when we were leaving the place to go back home, I packed everything. I made sure, you know, so it was just, I was putting the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I think because I was doing that so often, I didn't even give him a chance to realize how much work it goes into having a young child. And I actually had a talk with him probably around six months because that's when uh, he started helping more with the bathing and everything. I basically told him, you know, if he died, I would be devastated and heartbroken and my emotional world would come crashing down. But my day-to-day living, I, I would, everything would be under control, you know, as far as I know how to take care of her. Not, you know, it's not like I would be losing, picking, I, I wouldn't need someone picking up the slack that he was, he was doing. And that if I was the person to die, he'd be screwed. He'd have no idea what to do. And that that wasn't fair. It shouldn't be so one-sided. And again, babe, if you're listening to this, I love you to death. And you're an amazing father and amazing husband. There was just a growth period (laughs) for both of us. And I think for me, um, speaking up to him and telling him what I needed and kind of explaining how I felt like I was drowning with the responsibility um, was a huge, um, it was a huge moment for, moment of empowerment for me because I finally said something because I'm terrible, 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 terrible. I've gotten a lot better, but I was awful about speaking up clearly, I mean, right? And um, once I spoke up and I asked him for more help and I explained more of my needs, there was a huge improvement quickly and he was, he felt awful that I had ever felt that way. He didn't know because I guess I did a very good job of hiding it too. And now he's an amazing father, amazing husband, amazing everything. And I couldn't ask him to do any more than he already does. Um, I would say probably at around nine months, I felt myself almost wake up and realize that I was not myself for the last nine months. And that was when I started to think, oh, maybe I had some postpartum depression. I don't, I can't explain. I don't remember a moment, but I just remember around nine months, all of a sudden I just felt boom. Oh my gosh, I feel myself again. 
And I also, I went back to work when she was about six months old. And we had a, a nanny who comes three times a week and takes care of her. And the other two days a week, my mother-in-law was taking care of her. So I think going back to work helped me too, because I felt like I had lost my identity almost. I didn't know, I didn't feel like I knew who I was anymore. I felt like all that I was, was Riley's mom. And I say that with this tone of like, Mm. like that's not a good thing being Riley's mom is my favorite thing it's um, amazing I love being her mom but what I mean is that I just felt like that was the only thing that I was I didn't feel like I had anything that was mine and only mine I don't know if that makes sense but I felt like going back to work kind of just helped me talk to adults again, <laughs> you know, um, even talk to the kids because I'm a teacher. So even talking to the kids, but they're 10 years old at nine years old. And even that exchange just helped me feel a little bit more myself being back at the job that I absolutely love. So when I got pregnant with Parker, my second daughter, I felt a little bit scared. Well, let me backtrack. My husband and I always had a plan to have two kids. And then I had a kid and I said, I'm done. <laughs> Don't want any more. I'm done. This is it. I cannot do this again. And it took me probably, I would say until like one and a half years old that Riley was that I thought, okay, maybe I can do this again. And then obviously we did it. We, we had another child and I'm so glad because I'm an only child and my husband has two brothers and I've been with him for so long that they're basically like my brothers. And I, and I do have Courtney, my MFBI and her sister Allie growing up, but it's not the same. It's not actually your sibling. She's as close as a sibling that I had growing up, but it's still not, you're not sharing everything like real siblings do. So I wanted to make sure that Riley did have a sibling. And I'm so glad that we went through with it and had the second child. And I, Parker's only two and a half months old, but already I can see Riley being a good sister. And it's just, it's everything that I wanted. So when I got pregnant though with Parker, I was a little scared because I struggled a lot with Riley and with the postpartum depression that I thought I had I was like eh, you know I probably did have it and I was scared to go through that again but being so open around about it this time around really was helpful because I told my husband I said these are my fears this is what I feel could help what I felt could help was maybe me going back to work sooner maybe when the baby was three months old instead of six months old we were going to have the nanny come right away and instead of when she was six months old. So maybe that extra help will be helpful for my mental state. And Kevin, my husband is working from home now because of COVID. So having him at home might be helpful. I told him that I wanted to make sure that I had time set aside for myself just once in a while. I'm so bad at that too. So bad at taking time for myself and cleaning the house and doing the dishes and washing the dog is not time for yourself. <laughs> At least not in my book. 
I think, and I don't require a lot either. Time for myself means getting in my exercise on a daily basis. My, just giving me literally five minutes outside without anybody. Going for a 20 minute walk alone is enough. I don't need a whole lot to, to feel like I have time to myself. So with all this stuff that, and, and like I said, I told my husband that I'm worried that this is going to happen again. So I feel like I was more prepared this time around to kind of at least give myself the best opportunity to not have it. I don't know that postpartum is in your control, but I felt like maybe all these things that I felt that had contributed to it, if I can stop them ahead of time, maybe I can at least lessen the severity of the postpartum depression. So I also, one of my things that I prepped as well, I don't know, prepped, was the how I was going to approach breastfeeding. I felt like with my first daughter that I had to breastfeed and that if I didn't breastfeed, I was a bad mom. Again, I don't know where I'm getting these ideas from. I don't know if it's social media or just, you know, talking to your coworkers and everybody has their own opinion. But I, I felt like, okay, let's have a game plan. I'm not going to get super stressed about it. If I have, if I struggle with my supply, I'm just going to stop. My first daughter's totally healthy, totally normal. And she's been a formula baby since forever, basically. So, and I also bought um, some tools that would help with the pumping and stuff that I didn't have before that maybe if it was just easier on me, I would have gone farther with it. So all this stuff that I was prepping with, I felt like I had myself ready, like I had my husband ready, and I felt more empowered this time around. So I had Parker in 2020, which is COVID time and everything's crazy. And at the hospital, you can't have anybody there. They're very, very strict. I, we tried to see if we could like sneak in a visitor here or there and they just flat out, no, you, nobody except for obviously the mom and the baby, and you can have one assigned person. It's not one visitor at a time. It's one person that can stay with you the whole time, who is obviously going to be Kevin. So when I had Parker, though, nobody was coming when I was in labor. Nobody was coming to visit and sit in the waiting room, which for me personally, selfishly, was nice. It was nice to just focus on the delivery and the labor alone. Well, not alone, but with just Kevin and me. And when I did have Parker, I, I, and they gave her to me, I did feel a much stronger connection and an instant more loving this time. Like I said, with Riley, I felt not so much in love, but I felt this crazy protection over her. I was so weird with Riley. With Riley, everyone wanted to hold her. And I was, this is how, this was a clue of mine that I knew I was kind of messed up with Riley. I didn't want to hold her anymore because I needed a break from her. But I didn't want anyone else to hold her. (laughs) That makes no sense. It's insane. But that's how I felt. I, I just felt like I don't want to hold her all day long. But then people would come over and they'd hold her all day long. I want to hold her. No, I don't want to hold her, but I don't want you to hold her. <laughs> Psycho. But with Parker, I felt so much more connected. And there, like I said, there was zero visitors allowed. And I honestly feel like that is how it should be always. 
after COVID is done, I feel like there should not be visitors or there should be a set amount of visitors that are allowed because it was so nice for me to get rest at any time of the day when I felt like getting rest. I held Parker as much as I wanted to and put her in the bassinet when I didn't want to hold her anymore. And it was helpful, I feel, for my bond with her to have that intimate time. And after the hospital, when we went home, there was no visitors because everybody's staying away because of COVID. We had my mom, my dad, and my in-laws, and uh, my younger brother-in-law. They all came over to bring back Riley because they they kept Riley through the the, the visit. My in-laws did. And it was just them, and they were there for maybe two hours, and then that was it. They went home. And people avoided coming over because, like I said, it's COVID. We we didn't even have to tell people no. Just nobody was even asking because I felt like it was probably understood that we're not going to risk a newborn who has, like, no immune system for you to just come and hold her. And thankfully, with FaceTime and social media, it's easy to have people feel like they're still a part of it because they're FaceTiming her and getting a lot of videos and a lot of pictures. And I feel like that is helpful. But that was a major difference, not having the visitors all the time. And I, again, kind of letting our family, our new unit, get to know each other and figure out what what's going to work and let Riley, Riley was, is only two and a half years old. So she's got this whole new world to get used to, but it was nice to do it without anybody else there. <laughs> I'm, I have to say again, I, I I'm repeating myself, but I just want to really make it understood that I love my family so much. I have such an amazing support system with them and I would not trade it for the world. I feel that Riley and Parker are so blessed to have family like this. It's just that it was a little overbearing at times. But, and now I miss them. (laughs) Again, I'm a psycho. What can I tell you? And uh, Kevin has been one million times more supportive this time around. I don't even have to ask him for things anymore. He's, I feel like, a 50-50 partner with me and it's so nice to have that and to not have to ask for it because to me it's just as bad that I have to say hey can you wash the bottles when we have to wash the bottles every day you know you have to wash the bottles I don't have to ask that he's just there helping every step along the way knows what needs to be done and it's amazing um another thing that was different with this delivery was I would say that I was no longer in pain by the time I got discharged from the hospital. And I remember I told you with Riley, I was in pain for like five weeks. And then with the breastfeeding with Parker, I actually ended up doing it for only three and a half weeks, same amount of time as I did for Riley. But this time around was so stress-free. And I just wasn't feeling it anymore. I didn't struggle with my supply um, I, there was no problem. I just didn't want to anymore. It's, it's hard. It's, let me tell you, women who decide to do that for a long period of time are amazing, strong, 
women because it is hard as heck to do that daily, all day, every day, never get a break. It's just not, it just wasn't for me. So this time around, I said I was going to be stress-free about it and I was, and that was helpful too. Another thing that was different this time around was that I did ask for alone time. I remember one day, I I don't think Parker was even a month old. Maybe she was. Kevin got off of work and Parker's crying. Riley's upset. Riley had an adjustment period, obviously, where she was, you know, not the queen bee anymore. And she was just acting up a lot. And I had had them all day. And Kevin goes, I go, I need to go for a walk. And you go for a 30 minute walk and he goes, okay, who are you taking? And I said, no one. <laughs> and he said, okay. And you know, he was great. I no, no. Uh, I think he just assumed I was going to take somebody because I usually do, but he was, it was nice that I asked for it. He didn't even bat an eyelash. He just said, okay, see you in 30 minutes. And I was gone for exactly 30 minutes. And that short amount of time helped me uh, refresh, reset, feel normal again. And I feel like I learned that if I just do little things at a time like that, I don't need this huge alone time event. It's just one little thing here and there to help me feel grounded and keep myself sane. I was doing a lot better this time around with exercising. Been a little bad the last few weeks, but overall much better than last time. And I think that helps too. The nanny has been coming since basically, I think since Parker was one month. That's been super helpful. I was going to return to work in March. Like I said, that I thought the me going back to work was helpful, but I actually extended my maternity leave and I will be going back to work once Parker is eight months old. So, so much for that. But hey, it's just different each time around. And now, you know, with... Again, I don't know that there is actually anything. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying that you can prevent postpartum. But this time around, seeing how I feel and seeing how I am with Parker, I can 1000% say I had postpartum depression with Riley and that I did not have it this time. Thank God, because that was (laughs) not fun. So I want to thank you guys for listening. If you're still listening at this point, This postpartum journey was something that's very important to me because I feel like it's something that people do not talk about. When I actually had my checkup after Parker, the doctor, you have to fill out this question, this ridiculous questionnaire that basically asks you if you're depressed and you know how to answer it if you don't want your doctors to know. And I think the reason I didn't want them to know with Riley was I had this fear that they were going to make me go to a psychiatrist or something or get on medication or, and I didn't want the stigma I guess that I thought it came with and when I had this checkup around this time around after Parker the doctor I think was comfortable to say that I didn't have postpartum and I told her I said you know what I'd never said anything my first time around but I definitely had postpartum that time and I can say that I definitely don't have it this time and she was saying that she has this conversation a lot actually with other moms that after the fact, they'll say that they had postpartum, but that, that they don't, they didn't want to talk about it. And I don't know where that comes from, that, that stigma of you can't talk about it. But she was saying, you know, it's funny because they don't want to talk about it because they think they're going to be put on medication, all the things that I was saying. 
And she goes, that's not the case. You don't instantly have to go on medication just because you have postpartum depression. Sometimes you just need to talk to a friend. And it was just kind of almost comical to me that I hid it for so long. And it could have been something that I don't want to say is easily fixed, but maybe with the right intervention, I could have overcome it a lot quicker than nine months. So if you're still listening, I appreciate that you stayed around for this long. I hope that you enjoyed listening to my experience with postpartum on both occasions. And um, if you have any comments that you would like to share about maybe your journey with postpartum or questions that you want to ask, we do have an Instagram account, Riker Explains It All. And feel free to leave a comment on the episode for today. Until next time, my friends.